It's been 18 days since Ukraine was attacked. I don't think it's a stretch of hyperbole to say that we might have started World War III. We might see the beginning of it. I hope I'm wrong about that. Probably am wrong, so I'll try to put you at ease for a minute. And, uh, but it could be the start of World War III. I don't want to upset anybody, alarm anybody, but nuclear warfare is not uh, something that can't happen. It can happen, and someday I think it will happen. And I hope it won't happen in our lifetime, but it could happen. And we need to be mature about this and understand that this is a wicked world that we live in. Last week, we preached a message from Ezekiel 38 and 39. Most of you are here for that. The prophecy of a northern coalition, a Ru the Russian Federation of Nations that would come down against Israel and yet a future event. And we believe it's going to happen during the tribulation period of time or maybe right before the tribulation, right before the, the rapture of the church. This morning, I want to deal with another prophecy that comes before that predates not only in the Bible in the, the lineup of the Bible, Ezekiel 38 and 39, it's a, we see the Russians are coming. But in Ezekiel 29 and 30, we see why the Russians are coming. And I got a, about a 25-minute introduction, and then we'll get to the message. You, you really hang with me. This is, uh, I make my apology right out of the gate here. probably should do this in two or three or four lessons. This is more of a teaching message than a preaching message per se. But we don't want to just come, as Brother Davis said, for information's sake. But we want to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves, of course. So we want to deal with this subject this morning of why the Russians are coming. Why are they going to come against Israel in a yet future event we know of as the Battle of Gog and Magog? Well, Ezekiel 38 and verse 9, next slide please, says, Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm, and thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands... And many people with thee. And of course we see the encircling of Ukraine today. We see it on three sides at least. And we see, uh, the, I believe it's going to be a, my new word. One of my new words is the word slog. The war is going to be a protracted war. I'm, that's my guess. I think uh, uh, the Ukrainians are doing a masterful job. And they're doing a great job of defending their country. But the Russian army is so big and they don't care about casualties. They're going to do what they're going to do and they're going to, eventually bring Ukraine to its knees and plunder it, I'm afraid. I think that's going to happen. Well, they're going to, the Bible says that they're going to come in a future event in the same way that I think we're seeing them coming, coming against Ukraine right now. And so just in way of review, last week's message, of course, I want to consider what we've already considered for just a few moments here. Notice the prophecy. Uh, obviously, the prophecy... Is, is in Ezekiel 38 and 39. We only had time to look at chapter 38 uh, last week, obviously, and only half of that. And again, for the last time, I'll try to say this here, but this is uh, trying to get to maybe five lessons in one, one message here, but we'll do the best we can, like we did last week, and the, the, the fact that the Russians are coming, and we're answering the question, why, why will they come? Well, we considered last week their prophecy, then we considered the perpetrators, in Soundbite, we talked about Gog, the, the leader of, uh, of uh, the chief prince, as it's called, the Rosh prince in the Hebrew, the Rosh or the Russian prince. He's the Gog, leader of Gog and Magog in Meshach, which most historians believe is talking about in Moscow. And his coalition is going to come against 
his, all his bands are going to come against Israel in a future event that's recorded again in Ezekiel 38 and 39. We talked about the place uh, where Gog will go against. And the Bible says in verse 18 of Ezekiel 38, Gog shall come against the land of Israel, point blank. The Bible says that Gog, whoever Gog is, we believe he's the chief prince of Russia, we believe he's the president of Russia, is going to come against Israel. The Bible says it point blank. When God says it, that settles it. God, God's word declares it. So we see the, the, the prophecy, verse, chapter 38 and 39, the perpetrators, Russia and her bands, the place, Israel, the point in time. We looked at the point in time last week in details, and the Bible says after many days. It's been 2,500 years, and Israel's been resurrected as a country again in 1948. And the Bible says in the latter years, this is latter years, it's the year 72 or 73, I guess it is, of the existence of new Israel that's been born again or been lifted from the ashes and uh, the bones lived as Ezekiel 37 prophesied. The Bible says it would be in the latter days that they would come alive. And then the Bible says that Israel would be attacked in Ezekiel 38 when it was a time of safety. And so we see the point in time. Then we talked about the propelled invasion uh, the compelled invasion, that we should say. The Lord put hooks in the jaws of, of, uh, and made, made the, the bait look so tempting that uh, they can, Russia can't resist to come after Israel. Something I didn't think that Putin would attack Ukraine. I really, I was, if I was a prognosticator or advisor to the president, I would say, that's not going to happen. And, uh, but God put hooks in his jaws, so to speak, and reeled them in for a time. And God says that we see the propelled invasion. Then we see the pacifist, we noted last week, the pacifist bystanders. And it talks about, uh, we'll look at them again here, the, the people of Sheba and Dedan, what we believe Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and Kuwait and the oil-friendly countries to the merchants of Tarshish, the Gentiles, the, the rulers of the, the, uh, uh, of the uh, West, of course, obviously, I think the young lions is reference to America and Canada. The old lion would be England himself, or England itself, I should say. So we see the, the pacifist bystanders. Then lastly, we saw last week, we saw the, the punishment by the Lord God. And he's going to come in a fury, and he's going to fury in his face, the Bible says. And he's going to overthrow uh, this northern coalition with rain and with uh, fire and brimstone. Sounds a little bit like nuclear war to me. I could be wrong about that. It could be directly from the Lord, but the Lord may use so-called human means to destroy this northern coalition. And then we read about the kings of the east. We didn't have time to even look at that yet. And I believe that's talking about China and uh, in the news every day, of course, and uh, if you're paying attention, obviously. But uh, the, the events that precede Ezekiel 38 and 39 no pun intended, but Ezekiel 29 and 30 comes before Ezekiel 38 and 39. Not all of Ezekiel is, is chronologically written, but much of it is. And I believe the prophecy concerning Egypt is a precursor to Ezekiel 38. And I want to, want to go through four points real quickly here, just rapid fire. I want to notice the permission to invade. The permission to invade. And how do they have permission this Russian coalition, this leader of Gog, 
to invade in, in, in Egypt, their, their provocation that they're going uh, to commit, evidently, we'll get, again, get ahead of myself, but we see, we're going to look at the permission to invade, then secondly, the proximity of this event. When is this event of Ezekiel 29 and 30 going to take place? Thirdly, we want to look at the prophecy, or the provocation of Egypt. What will they do to cause this, uh, this message to be fulfilled? And then lastly, we want to look at the predictions played out. And so let's go to number one here that's on the worksheet. I, 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 somebody said, you, Pastor, you're filling the blanks this week. I, want you to, I don't want you to take time out to write. I just want you to listen as best you can, put your thinking cap on. Uh, this is a heavy-duty message this morning. This is, uh, you need to have uh, some history background. You need to have some geopolitical. You need to have some uh, geographical prowess as well. And I'm going to try to educate you in the next minutes that we have together as we look at this permission to invade to understand that the events of Ezekiel 29 and 30, they're going to precipitate, or there's, there's a reason why there's going to be an invasion and things are going to happen in Egypt. But the reason things are going to happen in Egypt, back to Ezekiel 38, verse 11 says, and it's on the screen for you, Ezekiel 38, And thou shalt say, I will go to the land of unwalled villages, or no doubt a reference to Israel, new Israel, Rebirth Israel of 1948. And I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely. You notice how Israel's been staying out of this conflict so far? That's not that's by design, I believe. And all dwelling without walls and having no, neither bars nor gates. Notice the reason that they're coming, this whoever's coming, this, this Russian invasion. They're coming to take a spoil, to take a prey. Notice, and we talked about the oil fields, so the East Med oil pipeline that uh, our president uh, ixnayed uh, in January. And uh, we'd rather get our oil from Venezuela or Iran than, than our allies. It's amazing to me, but that's another story. Uh, to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited. Israel was a dust bowl before Israel came in the land of Palestine, as they call it. It was, it was a dust bowl before Israelis came along in 1948. And upon the people that are gathered out of all nations, are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. This is not a racist statement. It's not a prejudiced statement. It's just a statement of truth. Some of the richest people, in fact, the world's richest people are Jews. I mean, Antwerp, Antwerp Belgium, was the capital, world capital of uh, of. Diamonds before World War II, when uh, the now world capital of diamonds is Tel Aviv in Israel today. Haifa in Israel is the capital of uh, uh, silver and uh, gold. And we know that some of the richest people in the world are Jewish people, of course, obviously, in, 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 in Israel itself and throughout parts of the world. And so this, this, this invasion is going to have permission because they're going to come to take a spoil, take a prey, they're going to come to get gold and cattle and, and riches and wealth and so forth. But the permission is given by uh, Ezekiel 30, 38 and verse 13. Sheba and Dedan, we believe it's Saudi Arabia and the Mideast oil companies, or oil countries rather, that are friendly to the West because they sell their oil to us. And the, and the merchants of Tarshish, Europe and England, with all her young lions, England, of course, and I believe the North America, especially America being the foremost lion, they shall say, art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy 
company in, to take a prey, to take away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to, great, take a, to take a great spoil. Now, I don't want to get political. I really don't. In regards to what your opinion is on whether we should go into Ukraine and help them out, many Americans feel and many Christians feel that it's their problem, it's a European problem, it's a Asian problem, it's not our business. And so uh, we, shouldn't have, we shouldn't commit troops, of course. We didn't our, we, our White House was going to commit planes uh, just 10 days ago. And uh, we said uh, from Poland, some of you, if you're following the news, and uh, of course that, that got uh, kiboshed, of course, obviously. And uh, whether you want to help Ukraine out or not is beside the point. It's, we're, we're the bystanders. We're going to stand, be bystanding and not, we're going to just put sanctions. We don't want to get brought into a war, and so we're trying to avoid war. By the way, we tried to avoid war in something called World War II, if you know your history. We tried to avoid war in World War I, if you know your history. We've always tried to, we, in fact, almost every war we've had, the Civil War, we tried to avoid that war if we could. The War for Independence, every war we've tried to, for years, tried to avoid getting involved in conflict. Peace at any cost has been our motto, but there's going to be a permission to invade. There's going to be bystanders that say, well, do what you got to do, take what you got to take. So we notice the proximity of this event. Now we go to Ezekiel chapter 30, and it's on the screen for you, so you can, if you want to mark your Bible, I encourage you to open to chapter 30 and 29 there of Ezekiel. When is this event going to take place? Now, let me just interject and say this. Egypt has been judged several times throughout history. We saw it Friday night in the movie when God judged Pharaoh and uh, Moses at the Red Sea, uh, Babylon, this is written in 580 B.C. or thereabouts. Babylon has, Nebuchadnezzar has already, they've already subjugated Egypt. They've already been, they've already been they're under subjugation. They're under, they, they, they've been defeated uh, in 606 B.C., I believe, the Battle of Carchemish. They've already been defeated. They're a defeated people when the writing is, is taking place. There's been several times where in Egypt, their pharaohs or their presidents, however you want to say it, uh, have been defeated. But the Bible tells us of this prophecy of Ezekiel 30, uh, it's yet future. And I'll, tell you, I'll show you why I know that. Because the Bible says, verse number one, the word of the Lord came unto me, again unto me, or the word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, son of man, or Ezekiel, prophesy and say, thus saith the Lord, how ye, worth ye, worth, well worth the day. Notice verse number three. For the day is near, 2,500 years ago. The day is near, but then it says, even the day of the Lord is near. Remember, a thousand years is a day with the Lord, and a, year is a, uh, a day is a thousand years. It's only been two and a half days since this prophecy was given. And uh, the day of the Lord is always in reference. The Bible says here it's a cloudy day. It's, it, is the time of the heathen or time of the Gentiles or time of this northern coalition. Uh, the proximity of this event is, is it's, it's, it's near the day of the Lord. Always in reference to the day of the Lord is always in reference to the coming of Christ, to the rapture of his church, the seven-year tribulation period, and the thousand-year kingdom millennial reign of Christ. It all encapsulates the day of the Lord. That's yet in the future. It's still not happened. Then there was the proximity of this event is, uh, first of all, it says, and this is really a way of review, what would we learn from this passage? That it's near the day of the Lord. Notice the key emphasis on near the day of the Lord. It's not, it's not the day of the Lord, it's near the day of the Lord. Now, this is Marty Schott conjecture, the next point. This event of Ezekiel 30 and 31, or 29 and 30, excuse me, could happen. I say it could happen. I could be wrong about this. 
But it could happen before the rapture. Like maybe next week. You know, I don't think so. And if I was Ben Man, I'd bet against, I'd bet high odds against it's not going to happen next week, but next month or next year or a few years or who would have ever thought how fast things have changed in America 2019 to 2020? 2020 to 2021 and 2022. We just thought, you know, the years can't get any worse after 2020, but then 21 came. And then it can't get worse than 2021, now 22 is coming. We're looking at $5 gasoline, and it's not even April yet. And we've got inflation, and we got who knows what's going to happen next week, let alone next month or next year. So this event could happen right before the rapture, or it may happen immediately, thirdly, after the rapture. We, we don't know exactly when this happens. So we see the, notice thirdly, let's hurry along here. I spent too long in introduction. This is all introduction for the record, so the message makes sense here. The prophecy or provocation of Egypt. There's going to be some provocation of Egypt. They're going to go against the nation of Israel. In fact, go to Ezekiel 29, verse 2. The next slide. You got it up there already. Thank you. Notice what it says. It says, Son of man, set thy face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and prophesy against him and against all Egypt. Speak and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, that's a generic term in one sense. It could be president of Egypt today. Notice the strange verbiage. We'll come back to this, Lord willing, in a few minutes. The great dragon. I'll let you hang on that one for a minute. We'll come back to it. That lieth in the midst of the rivers, which hath said, My my river, my river, my river is mine own, and I have made it for myself. Hang on those words. And then we have the same verbiage that we have in Ezekiel 38. But I will put hooks in thy jaws, and I will cause the fish of thy rivers to stink unto the, stick unto thy scales, and I will bring thee up out of the midst of the river, and out of all the fish of the rivers shall stick uh, unto thy scales. A little history lesson. Egypt, since the birth of Israel, has attacked Israel four times. There have been four wars with Egypt and the Arab coalition. 1948, 1956, 1967, the Six-Day War, 1973, the, the uh, Yom Kippur War. And in 1979, I remember well, Anwar Sadat was, uh, made a peace treaty with, with, uh, with Egypt and Israel for a 40-year term. That ended in 2019, for the record. And in 1981, rather, uh, I remember sitting in class. I taught school back in those days in Christian school. And I remember in October when uh, it was, Anwar Sadat was murdered in a, in a drive-by shooting in a parade, of course, after he made peace with Israel, of course. And so we see this prophecy, uh, the provocation of Egypt. Let me read uh, Ezekiel 28 and 29 in verse 8 here. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will bring a sword upon thee and cut off man and beast out of thee, and the, land, the land of Egypt shall be desolate and waste. And they shall know that I am the Lord, because he hath said, The river is mine, and I have made it. Behold, therefore, now let me just stop there for just a second. The river is mine, and I have made it. Did they make that river? Who made the river? We learned in Sunday school class this morning that God made everything. Man didn't make anything. But they said they made the river. Behold, therefore, I am against thee and against thy rivers, and I will make an end of the land of Egypt, utterly de- waste and desolate, from the tower of Syene, 
even unto the border of Ethiopia. Hold that thought. No man shall pass through it, nor footed beast shall pass through it, neither shall be inhabited 40 years. 40 years is always the number of testing. I just said the peace treaty between Israel and Egypt just expired after 40 years in 2019. 40 is always a day of testing in the Bible. And the Bible says that Israel or Egypt will be desolate for 40 years. The next verse, Ezekiel 29, 12. And I will make the land of Egypt desolate in the midst of the countries that are desolate. And our cities among the cities that are laid waste shall be desolate 40 years. And I will scatter the Egyptians among all nations and will disperse them through the countries. So here's what we know from this passage of Scripture. Four future facts. And let me continue to speed up here, and I'll, I'll slow down here in a minute here. But four future facts. First of all, the Bible tells us that Israel, Egypt will be decimated. Egypt is going to be, Ezekiel 29.9, The land of Egypt shall be desolate and waste, and they shall know that I am the Lord, because he hath said, The river is mine, and I have made it. Number one, fact number one, prophecy fact number one, that Egypt will be decimated. Prophecy fact number two, her river shall be dried up. 2,700 years ago, now the, the river that we know of in, in Egypt is what? The Nile. It's the longest river in the world, 4,100 feet, 100 miles long. And uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 19, verse 5, And the water shall fail from the sea, and the river shall be wasted and dried up. When has the river Nile ever dried up? Fact number three, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 9, 6, that the river shall be diverted or turned away, Isaiah 19, 6. And they shall, they, who's they? Well, we're going to find out. Let me give you a hint. It's either Egypt or it's Russia. I think it's both, actually. And they shall turn the rivers far away. And the brooks of defense shall be emptied and dried out. The reeds and the flags shall wither. And fact number four, future fact number four, Egypt will be desolate 40 years and Ezekiel 29.11 and Ezekiel 29.12, and I believe it's Ezekiel 29.13. We won't read it for time's sake. But it speaks about the nation, the land shall not be inhabited for 40 years. So in review, Egypt will be decimated, according to the prophecy of Ezekiel 29 and 30. Her rivers shall be dried up, the river Nile. Her rivers shall be diverted, Isaiah 19.6. And Egypt shall be desolate 40 years. Now, let me, give, let me throw you a softball here. If you believe the Bible to be the word of God, say amen. amen. God's word, what God declares happens. God said for thousands of years before Jesus Christ came to this earth that he was coming. The, the, the wise men saw a star in the east. It was prophesied 500 years before he came. And they said they came 2,000 mile, dri- uh, mile drive. <laughs> they, they drove from the east. They, 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 drove their ca- they drove their camels, I guess. Their camels drove them, whatever that works. But... Uh, they came because they believed the prophecy. And so, uh, we, number four here, we move to the next screen, if you would, please. The predictions played out. Now, this is, we've got to take time out for, for a geographical lesson for you folks that are geographically challenged, which is probably, no offense, but probably a number of you. So let's, have a, let's go to the next slide here. And let me give you a, let's see what we're talking about here. We have, obviously, we have the continent of Africa here. We have the Red Sea right here. We have uh, lower Egypt right here, uh, upper Egypt, rather, and lower Egypt up here. 
And uh, River Nile flows from down here, goes 4,000 miles up, up, up river here. Here we have the Mediterranean, just getting your geographical bearing. Obviously, right here we have a little nation called Israel about the size of New Jersey. Up here we got Lebanon. Up here we got Turkey. Off the screen, up here we got Ukraine. Obviously, way up here we got Russia. Obviously, over here we got Europe, of course. So get your bearings. Next slide, please. Now, this is, uh, here we go. Here's the Red Sea. This is a little close up here. This is the city of Aswan right here. And uh, from here, we got a, the ge geography is about, again, this is lower Egypt here. Or, pardon me, this is upper Egypt, and this is lower Egypt here. You have Cairo, the River Delta. This, this is a blow-up, obviously, of this right here. This is Lake Nasser. Here is the Aswan Dam right here. It's was the largest dam in the world when it was built in 1970. Go to the next slide, please. Another blow-up just to give you, get your bearings. Here we go. Here's the, here's the Lake Nasser once again. Uh, and here's Aswan. Here's Luxor. Here's the Valley of the Kings. I've never been to Egypt, but you've seen pictures of the pyramids and the Sphinx. They're right here. And it's about 100 miles north or so, or 150 miles north of Aswan. And then, of course, we have Cairo. And then we have the Nile River Delta here. And, and uh, this lake here is called Lake Nasser. You say, how big is Lake Nasser? I'm glad you asked. It's, uh, it would cover all of Connecticut. And it's larger than Connecticut. It's 100, 100 plus miles long, 22 miles wide at its widest point. Uh, this is a massive lake here. This is their, our version of the, Colorado, uh, the Hoover Dam, their version of the Hoover Dam in the Colorado River, obviously in uh, Arizona there, there. And so, okay, let's go to the next slide for time's sake here. Let me get ahead, I'm getting ahead of myself here. One more picture of Egypt. So once again, let's get our bearings. Here we have the city of Aswan. We have the Aswan High Dam, built by the Russians from 63 to 70. They poured in over a billion dollars. A billion dollars gave a lot of stuff back then. They, we, we spent a billion dollars on our roads out front in, in America now. But at that time, it was the largest dam project in history, of course. And, and uh, holds back Lake Nasser, uh, bigger than the state of Connecticut, and obviously the Nile River. And Red Sea, obviously, obviously off to our west, of course, or east, of course. So, next slide, please. The Aswan Dam itself, here's the actual dam part. This is, this is, this is Lake Nasser here. Uh, a humongous body of water, a three-mile dam, earthen dam. There's enough concrete in the, this dam to build a four-lane highway from Boston to Seattle. And uh, this, is a, this, is a, this is a big dam is what I'm trying to tell, tell you. And turn to the next slide, please. Obviously, the picture, it's, uh, you see the hydroelectric plants in the back here. Of course, that's how they generate power for, I forget, I'm rusty, but how many millions of people are served by this electric power grid, of course. And the next slide here gives us some statistics. And uh, I don't know if you can read those, but let me just say it to Mark Shotway. There's a lot of water that goes through this dam. There's a lot of water behind that dam. And it, can, it, it, it generates a lot of electricity. This is built by the Russians. Okay, next slide, please. Now, here's an aerial photo of Egypt. Here we go again. Here's Lake Nasser. Here's Lake Nasser. Right about here is the dam. That's one dam again. And right about here is, is, uh, is the city of Aswan. 
You go up here, if we were off the screen, somewhere up here we got Luxor, we got the Valley of the Kings, the pyramids and the sphinxes, and uh, the sphinx, I should say. Now notice right about here, notice it gets real, if you can see, I don't know if you can see with your eyes, but these are mountains. This is a gorge, this is a canyon right here. And you can see this, this aerial view, you can see if, you, if, you, if you've got good eyes at least. I can see better on my sheet here in front of me than I can see on the screen. But we see a natural valleyway right here. Okay, so next, next slide, please, for time's sake. So once again, in review, we've got the Aswan Dam, Nile River, Egypt. Here we have a tower. It's called the Lotus Flower Tower. It's, uh, it's uh, 340 feet high. Next page, for time's sake, please. 340 feet high, it's, 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 it's a tourist attraction. It's built just beyond the dam. It's built uh, it's commemorate the union between Egypt and Israel. And uh, the Lotus Tower, again, go to the next slide, please. Another picture, uh, enough said, go to the next slide. And it has the five pillars, are the pillars of uh, Islam, the five tenets of Islam. The circle here, this is obviously about 300 foot in the air. And the prophecy here is when Ezekiel first wrote it, was, it, wrote it, there was no Tower of Syene. In fact, it didn't even come into existence until 1970 at the dedication of the Aswan High Dam. And we're going to find out that the word Aswan in Greek is the word swenet, which is the word uh, we get our word Aswan from, and which is, the, or pardon me, the word Syene. And we'll go to the next slide here, and we'll, we'll, we'll demonstrate this in a minute here. So in review, I haven't lost you. Let me get to this. Here's an aerial photo of the river at night, or the Egypt at night here. Just get your bearings. Here's Red Sea. Obviously, this is the Mediterranean. Here's Israel, Lebanon. Obviously, to the north here, we got Turkey and Syria. And then we have the Nile River Delta, and then we have this long snake. And right here where there's no more lights, there's the Aswan Dam. And uh, 96% of the 94 million people that live in Egypt live within four miles of the Nile River, or there's deltas. And you see all these lights here at, at uh, 30,000 miles up in the air, wherever far, how far this is taken. Next slide, please. Now, this is a more, more close-up view, but this is, you got to use a little imagination here, but you notice that when you fly over, I remember flying over uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, United Arab Emirates on my way to uh, India, and I saw the desert. It looked like a brown sea. You got the brown sea, desert, desert, and then you got the green just within, you got the river itself, blue, and the green, and then brown. If you use your imagination, the Bible says, Ezekiel 29.3, the great dragon that lieth in the midst of the rivers, uh, the midst of his rivers. And you've got to use a little imagination, but you can kind of, you, you kind of picture it's a dragon. And uh, it's symbolic in nature, of course. And uh, the Bible speaks about a great dragon in Revelation chapter 12, verse number 10. And the great dragon, that old serpent, who is that? The devil. There's a serpent and roaring lion. I think the great dragon may be a reference, a symbolic reference to either Russia or Egypt. Now, I'm, uh, next slide, please. Let me remind you. The Bible says in Isaiah 19.5, in the waters shall fail from the sea, Mediterranean, way up here. And the river shall be wasted and dried up, the longest river in the world. 
and they shall turn the rivers far away, and the brooks of defense shall be emptied and dried out. The, the reeds and the flags shall wither, the now River Delta, I believe. So we have, once again here, right about here, we have the dam. We go up here, and we have this little place right here. And we have this right here. Next slide, please. Now, Winston Mizakis was in our church years ago. I went online to find this message that he preached 40 years ago when I heard him the first time in my life. The problem is he, preached, he, preached, he just went to heaven last year, in 2020, actually. And uh, he preached, he knows five languages fluently. And he preached, in, he preached in English, French, and Arabic. And the messages were in French and Arabic. And I don't know either, so I couldn't listen. But, uh, but it's in the book, Nations of Bible Prophecy. Here's the quote. This is, from, this is a conversation that uh, Dr. Muzakis had in 1966 when the dam was being built with uh, the chief of staff of the vice president of Egypt, Abdel Hakim Amir, and it went like this. Uh, the question was asked, let me give you the background. The question was asked, what would happen if Israel launched a nuclear attack, if Egypt attacks uh, Israel again? This is 1966, 1973 war hadn't happened yet. And uh, he said, you know the Israelis can nuke that dam and it'll be history and all Egypt will be gone in no time. And the, the consulate or the, the uh, chief of staff said this to Winston Musakis, we understand that the dam is a prime target. At a desperate moment, therefore, we are, have taken measures necessary to protect the Egyptians from being washed away by the waters of Lake Nasser. In case of an attack on the dam, consequently, we have put thousands of tons of explosives in a gorge through which the Nile is flowing, located a few miles north of the dam. If anything happens to the dam, we cannot let 2,000 square miles of water wash away the Egyptians into the sea. For this reason, the explosives will explode to close the natural course of the river and open an outlet that will take the waters into a valley that will direct it into the Red Sea. Thus, we safeguard the people of Egypt. Next slide, please. One more time. No, no I'm sorry. Back to, the, back to the screen here. There. One more time, here, here's the Aswan Dam, here's the Aswan right here. I can't make the pointer go exactly right there, but right to the right of, is the Lotus Tower, the, the Aswan Tower, the Tower of Syene, I believe. Up here we have a narrow gorge. Here we have a valleyway, over here we have the Red Sea. If somebody explodes the dam, and you can, you can duck, duck, go this yourself, you can find these things out to be, it's interesting. I got to tell you this little insertion because the world doesn't recognize the Bible. They're worried about, if you go down here to Lake Nasser and quick we've got the 3,000 miles, 3, miles of River Nile. We've got the White Nile and we've got the Blue Nile that leads into Ethiopia. And Ethiopia has built their own dam. And it's, you know, you see the water wars that go on in, out in the West, especially California, Arizona. And uh, everybody wants the water rights, of course. Colorado River, it's so down to a trickle. The Jordan River is down to a trickle as it goes into the Dead Sea because they're irrigating the land, of course. Same, same with the River Euphrates, or rather River Nile. And uh, so there's wars for these. And, and if you Google this information, you say, what happens if the dam breaks? Most everybody says, most secularists say that it's going to be Ethiopia that attacks, that, that destroys the dam because they're... Their, their, their dam is uh, uh, taking water from the Blue Nile, 
and uh, they, they don't have enough water themselves, and, and there's an ongoing battle between the Ethiopians and uh, their dam, and of course, uh, an Aswan High Dam built by the Russians. And so we get to the next slide, and if I haven't lost you yet, I hope I haven't lost you, remember what the Bible says. Behold, therefore I'm against thee. Lord Jehovah God said, I'm against Egypt. I'm against Russia and against thy rivers. And I will make the land of Egypt utterly desolate, land of Egypt utterly waste and desolate from the Tower of Syene. Only time in the Bible you find the word, word Syene, and only times you find this word tower is in Ezekiel 29 and 30, even unto the border of Ethiopia. Here's what I think. Next, next slide, please. I've already said this. But this is, you Google this too. This is all total secular uh, uh, information. Along the Nile River to the south sat the ancient city of Swenet, Greek for Syene, the southernmost city of Egypt, considered to be close to the origin, origination of the Nile in the minds of the Egyptians. Now the city of Syene sits on the ancient site, uh, the city of Aswan sits on the ancient site of Syene. God said 2,700 years before the Tower of Syene, the Lotus Tower was built, 50 years ago, 51 years ago, that, that, that the nation of Israel will be desolate. From the Tower of Syene, it shall be desolate. Here's what I think is going to happen. Uh, this is Marty Shot conjecture. I don't know if it's going to happen this way. But I think that there's going to be a provocation, number five, one of the major provocations. Egypt is going to, at a time when they think not, they're going to do attack, they're going to attack Israel before Ezekiel 38 happens. And uh, Egypt is going to launch it, they're 90 seconds away or three minutes away, I guess it is, they can have a nuclear warhead on that dam in, in three minutes flat. I mean, conventional bombs would be like dropping toothpicks on a, on a, on a stone wall, it wouldn't do nothing. But a nuclear, well-placed nuclear bomb, I guess even a small one could take that dam out. If that dam goes, here's, and you can, this is all totally, it has nothing to do with, the, this is not from Christians, this is not from, this is from secularists. Just type in uh, what happens if the Aswan Dam breaks. Here's one web, web, website that I pulled up. It says this. What if the dam were destroyed, leaving Lake Nasser to rush downstream? The answer, here, hear this. This is from a so-called expert. The answer is that a tidal wave of such magnitude would, create, would be created that Egypt would be essentially cease to exist as a country. Tens of millions of people would be killed. And untold material damage would be created. It would basically be the largest single catastrophe in human existence. In terms of both humans killed and wounded in property damage, no, capitalized, no, N-O, Natural disaster would rival it. Maybe all the extent of World War II would rival it, but that took six years. Put another way, listen to this. Put another way, imagine the devastation of the recent Asian tsunami 20 years ago, remember that? Killed 230,000 people. Magnified perhaps 500 times over. There's 900,000, 94 million people that live within four miles of the, uh, 96% of all the nation of, of uh, Egypt uh, lives within four miles of the river delta. Now the next question, and we're almost done here. Let's go to the next slide. Here's the question. What one nation is conspicuously missing, and I said conspicuously missing from the Russian Confederation of Nations listed in Ezekiel 38? All four times, 
Russia, Israel's been invaded or been attacked. They've been attacked with a coalition from Egypt all four times. Why did we not read anything about Egypt in Ezekiel 38? I think the answer is obvious. The events of Ezekiel 30 and 29 and 30 pre, pre, predate, and they give the excuse for Russia to, they just said their dam blown up, their, their coalition has been blown up, and the, the Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and the allies of the, of the West, uh, America, we're going to stand by and say, okay, you go take your spoil, go take your prey, you can, you can pounce on Israel if you want to. We, we won't stop you. We'll just put sanctions on you, so all we'll do. And so the one, one nation is missing, Obviously, next slide, please. Egypt. Now, I think, this is Marty Schott prognostication. This is not the Bible. This is what I think as things play out. He that hath a mirror to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Uh, uh, here's the mind that has wisdom. I think I have spiritual, I'm part of the SIA, not CIA, Spirit Intelligence Agency, not the Central Intelligence Agency. That's corrupt, I'm afraid. But strike that from the... But I have the Spirit of God. Like the, like the Magi, you have the Spirit of God, children of God. Those Magi traveled 2,000 miles or thereabouts to see he that was born king of the Jews. They, went to, they knew his, his first advent was near, and they came, and they, they, they pointed it right. I think that an event is going to happen either before the rapture or it can happen after the rapture. I'll take the rapture first, and all God's people said, Amen. But I want you to see the last slide, and I want you to, we believe every word of God to be true, right? So Jesus said to his disciples, and when you see these things, here's the key word, begin to come to pass. Then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. People say, they talk about the promise of his coming. Say, we can't know the day or the hour. That's true. But the wise men knew that he was coming, and they prepared and they came. Uh, folks, I know it's trite. I know I've said it a thousand times, but we're closer to the coming of the Lord than ever before. We're closer to the rapture of the church than ever before. Now is the time to purify ourselves. Now is the time to live godly. There's going to be rapid fire events. You say, preacher, how can this all happen in just a few short days? Hey, 20 days ago, 19 days ago, we had peace in Europe. Today we have a slog of war. And maybe World War III started, and we don't even know it. We don't even have it have it processed. Things can change it on a dime, can change in a second of time. Are you ready for the rapture? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know him as your Savior? Have you been born again? Have you been saved today? You can be saved today if you receive Christ as your Savior. Let's just go to prayer if we could. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, when we see these things in your word, we are so astounded. and We, we really shouldn't be because we know that God's true and every man's a liar. Lord, we believe your word more than we believe our government. We believe your word more than we believe our newspapers, our internet. Lord, we know your word is true. Father, you said in a day near the day of the Lord that there would be another judgment against, a major judgment against Egypt. Lord, uh, I, hope I'm not, I hope we're not around for that. I hope the rapture of the church comes first, the catching away. Lord, maybe there's someone here that needs to receive Christ as their Savior. Today needs to be the day of, not, today is the day of salvation. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Speak in a moment of invitation, we pray, and we ask these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. 119 as we stand together.